Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Buffalo Bills fans, welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, welcoming you to this special edition. It's a post-game recap podcast here on Believe, and what a time to be doing a recap. The Buffalo Bills are your AFC East champions for the first time in 25 years Buffalo hoisting that divisional title thanks to a dominant 48-19 to win over the Denver Broncos in the mile-high air of Denver, Colorado, Saturday afternoon, part of a NFL doubleheader on Saturday. The Buffalo Bills thoroughly demolished the Denver Broncos, leading 35-13 to at one point. They uh, really dominated every aspect of this competition. Josh Allen, four total touchdowns, two passing, two rushing. Uh, he's gone over 4,000 passing yards for the season. Stefan Diggs was unbelievable as always. Uh, he, I, I tell you, Jamie, Jamie D'Amico, our colleague here on the podcast, I run out of superlatives to go describing what Stefan Diggs has meant to this offense. Uh, his, 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 his play is so instrumental it's opening up the rest of the offense. Uh, the Broncos had no solution for him. We knew it was going to be a tough matchup for Denver being down five of their top seven cornerbacks and Diggs really made them pay every which way, uh, you know, he looked last night. Um, it was unbelievable to see what he was able to put up. Uh, he now has more than 1167 receiving yards. He's within sight of Eric Moulds' franchise record of 1368. Uh, set during the 1998 season. Um, and and really, Jamie, this was such a thorough, dominant whooping start to finish. I had so much fun watching this game. You know, Diggs Hall's in 11 catches for 147. Beasley, 8 for 112. The offense did whatever they wanted to. Within reason, it was a little sluggish uh, to start the game off there. But really, the offense rounded into form and just dominated an inferior opponent, which to me is a sign that these Buffalo Bills have arrived because there were some people that were worried this might be a trap game coming off of the win over the Steelers on Sunday night and with the Monday night game with the Patriots coming up in week 16. But Sean McDermott's boys proved they don't look past anybody delivering an ass whooping that got the division title for the first time since 1995. How about them bills, Jamie? Man, I was one of those pessimists and I've been called out on Twitter for it because, you know, this is a very good Buffalo Bills team, yet I always have consternation and hand-wringing when it comes to them. So let's talk about this. The first time in 25 years. John Boccasino, where were you the last time the Bills won the division? 
The last time the Buffalo Bills won the division, I was a wide-eyed, bushy-tailed freshman in high school, 1995, still rocking some Bills Zubas gear. I had a, you know, the, the Bills Super Bowl gear was not that dusty at that point. I had sweatshirts. I had, you know, all sorts of paraphernalia with Bills gear on it. And, you know, I, I think our friends, when, when we won the division in 95, you're thinking, all right, you know, ho-hum, ho-hum, the Bills do this every year. Nothing to be surprised by this. Little did that John know what the next 17 years were going to hold for the playoff drought. So that's where right. I was, Jamie, with uh, with regards to this. Tell us where a younger Jamie D'Amico was in 1995. I was in my second year at the University of Dayton, which is 45 minutes from Cincinnati. So I was in Bengals country and I didn't get to see very many games that year. Occasionally, my parents would record the game on VHS and send it to me. Uh, But, you know, even more so than Bengals territory, it was Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, I I was kind of removed from what was going on. I saw the playoff game, but I I don't remember much about it. Um, So Let's do a little 1995 Buffalo Bills trivia, shall we? Oh, boy. I I, I was told there would be no math on this podcast and uh, no problem. I'll make sure you don't have to do any math. (laughs) No math for you. Um, Thurman Thomas was still the Bills' leading rusher, but they had a very effective rookie running back on that team who rushed for just about 700 yards, who I thought was going to be the future of the Buffalo Bills. What was that running back's name? It wasn't Kenneth Davis. Uh, He was gone uh, by this point. It wouldn't have been our bruising fullback, Carwell Gardner, because he never ran the ball that much to merit uh, nearly 700 yards. (sighs) This is a tough one. Hold on. Hold on. Um... You know, I got it. The man, the myth, the legend, Derek Holmes. Yes. Outstanding. What outstanding job. He was big, physical, fast. I, I thought I thought he was going to be a great running back. Yeah, he could also do some stuff out of the backfield, too. I think he might have been like uh, he might have been up there. I know he was up there with Thurman for receptions out of the backfield. I have no idea how many he had, but I recall him being very having very good hands out of the backfield, which is always a good threat for a Bills running back to have. Yes, he was targeted 34 times. He had 24 receptions to Thurman Thomas's 26. So he got on the field quite a bit. Um, Whatever happened but- to Derek Holmes uh, besides that one? He had a couple years in Buffalo, but never never that level of success he did that because he, he averaged more than, what, four yards a carry? Yeah. And uh, he kind of flamed out after two years. And I don't remember exactly what happened. I think I read an article about him. Um, I think there was an injury somewhere in there and also some stupidity. So kind of like the maybe Carlos Williams of his era. Uh, yeah, probably not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're eating for two for your pregnant wife. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Uh, let's turn it over to the defensive side. What Buffalo Bills legend led the team in tackles? Uh, would that be Bryce Pop? Oh, that was an excellent guess. 
He did not lead the team in tackles. He was second on the team in tackles, but it was another linebacker who was nearing the end of his career and was also brought to the Buffalo Bills on that amazing three-team trade on Halloween in 1987. I'm going to have me some biscuits in the morning, Jamie. Cornelius. That's right. (laughs) Yep. Good one. Now, uh, you already said the name of the player who led the Bills in sacks that year with 17 and a half. That was Bryce Pop. What a season he had, dude. 17 and a half. I forgot it was that high. I knew he was an all pro that year, but I forgot it was 17 and a half. Yeah. Uh, He also won the defensive MVP that year. I mean, who, who better? Who was more dominant that year, right? Right. To go along with 89 tackles, the guy was everywhere that year. Um, and Bruce Smith had 10 and a half sacks. Phil Hansen had 10. That was a fearsome pass rush. Like, holy crap. Are you kidding me? They got after dudes. I mean, yeah, you get three guys posting double digit sack totals out there. And when, you know, Bruce, who was up there in age, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't like an ancient player, but, you know, he had lost a little bit, but still could get after guys for 10 plus sacks. I mean, he was still doing bad things in these shoes, man. <laughs> Great reference to the Nike commercial. I love me some Dennis Hopper and Bruce Smith in those commercials. Boy, that that takes me back. It's so much fun, by the way. Just to, I love this walk down memory lane. It's so much fun to reminisce and be like, oh, yeah, those bastards in Foxborough didn't win the division this year. Yeah. Did you see that graphic yesterday that they put on the screen about starting in 1990, the division titles? Oh. It, they were popping them up on the screen in order. And they had to expand the column for New England. And no longer do we have to hear that a team that's no longer in the division won the division more recently than the Buffalo Bills have. Yeah. Uh, So I got to tell you, yesterday's game, it it just, it it seemed inevitable. The Bills were going to win that game, even when it was close. I haven't felt that relaxed during a Bills game in a long time time after Denver scored well they scored twice and they were both gifts absolute gifts those touchdowns you know they the roughing the quarterback on Milano should have never been called Andre Roberts fumbling the ball uh, which is something that almost never happens none of it seemed to matter to me this Bills team just seemed inevitable they were going to win the division and it almost made it slightly anticlimactic for me because it was such a beatdown of the Denver Broncos. But like you said, they took care of business, and that is a hallmark of a very good team, especially a well-coached team, that they're always ready. Their heads are in the game, every game, as a team. And I love seeing it, man. Yeah, you know, Jamie, you're right. It was so great to watch from start to finish this team just dominate their inferior opponent, come out and and impose their will on Denver. And, you know, it never was in doubt. It was so much fun to see Buffalo keep the, you know, the pedal to the metal, even towards the last drive when Matt Barkley hands off and Singletary has that game breaking 51 yard touchdown to get to 48 points, um, which was good for his momentum because I know Moss had really taken over um, as as basically the, the linchpin back you know, for, for Buffalo yesterday in the big win, but it was great because, you know, the thing that people were worried about besides this being a letdown game 
one of the few areas where Denver was really good, supposedly coming into the game was on red zone defense. And that's been Buffalo's strength all year long. Uh, We all know the stat that Josh Allen has never thrown an interception in the red zone during his Buffalo Bills career. And that streak continued yesterday. It was just so nice, Jamie, for the Bills to come out. And that first drive alone, you keep feeding digs. The man is on a mission and Josh just knew exactly where he was. It wasn't anything complex that they were running fancy routes out there. You just know that your opponent is wounded, missing your top five of your top seven cornerbacks. So you go after them. It's simplicity. The bills didn't outthink themselves. They just went out there and delivered a whooping. And, you know, I love the fact that Dawson Knox is emerging as a great red zone threat. He caught the first touchdown pass for Buffalo to get up seven, nothing, Um, You can say what you will about Dawson Knox. He's had some drops again this year, but the man draws pass interference penalties. The man comes up with big catches and he's just the physical type of tight end that you factor him in with Beasley in the slot with Diggs and with Gabe Davis emerging on the outside and with John Brown, when he comes back this offense, I don't, they can go toe to toe with Kansas city. Yeah, I think that they can. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the one problem spot that we identified at the beginning, well, before the season even began, which is the offensive line and how are they going to hold up against interior rushes? That seems to be their their soft spot on offense. Oh, no, no. I, I didn't mean to take away your momentum there. I was going to say, um, you know, it is a concern. And it's definitely I was I count me very concerned about the injury to Daryl Williams, um, even though, you know, Ty and Shecky played all right, being into forced that that was the one negative to this game, Jamie, it seemed like there were a rash of injuries late when the game was out of hand that I'm not worried about Stefan Diggs. He has a foot injury, but he was seen walking around the sidelines. I think he's going to be fine. Um, Trey, White. Trey White and Levi Wallace. Trey White's is concerning, but. Those stingers, you just never know how serious they can be. Usually, they bounce back from them rather quickly, but there's something that starts to uh, they they start to happen more and more frequently. And usually, it has to do a stinger. For those of you who don't know, uh, something is pushing on a nerve in your back, in your upper back or neck. Um, usually, it's a vertebrae, uh, which which is not good. You know, so obviously, there's some sort of slight spinal misalignment or injury. Not a good thing. I remember a number of years ago, the all pro tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, Todd Heap was just standing there between plays and a stinger hit him and dropped him. It happened to Dawson Knox again yesterday. It's two weeks in a row. He had to leave the game with a stinger, but he came back both times. So I'm hoping that's what we're looking at with Trey White. Levi Wallace ended up back on the field But, you know, I assume that with Stefan Diggs, it looked like his injury was a result of having his foot stepped on. Now, you get your foot stepped on by cleats. It hurts. It very easily could break bones in your feet. They carted him off. He came back. I'm assuming that when he went into the locker room, they were taking x-rays. The x-rays were negative. They're like, all right, it's just a bruise. Get back out there and hang out with your teammates. Well, and the fact, Jamie, that, yeah, he was seen around the field, you know, walking around. I think he's going to be fine. He's a, a tough character guy who doesn't seem to miss a lot of games. His rapport has been so instrumental to this offense. And you know what's funny, Jamie? We are 15 minutes in to the podcast and recording our thoughts on Buffalo's 
uh, AFC East clinching win. We haven't even mentioned the fact that Buffalo, a normal Bills team, we would have been talking about all those goal line penalties, the first and goal from the 30 that happened after the offensive pass interference penalty and the holding penalty and the false start penalty. My point being, Buffalo, whatever was thrown their way, they just shed it like a, a like a, a tackling dummy to get through and, and get their goals accomplished. And it all starts again with the confidence of Josh Allen. I want to ask you a serious question here on the podcast, Jamie. With Josh going over 4,000 passing yards, with Josh shattering Buffalo's record for total touchdown passes in a year, with him putting on these displays in prime time now for three straight weeks, is Josh Allen a legitimate MVP contender this year? I think he has to be a legitimate MVP contender this year. Um, at this point, he's probably put himself into the conversation of top five quarterback in the NFL. And the MVP is typically a quarterback's award. More often than not, it is. And I think that you have to consider that he is one of the most valuable players to their team in the NFL but it depends on how you evaluate that. Josh Allen's having a great year, but is he more valuable to the Buffalo Bills than Stefan Diggs? Would Josh Allen be doing what he's done without that man putting up these stats? And really, is the MVP about the person who's most valuable to their team or the best player, which is also a, a bone of contention that is constantly out there? And really... Isn't Pat Mahomes really the most valuable player in the NFL? If you were to take him away, wouldn't you see a a team completely change? Maybe they should name it the Pat Mahomes Award and give it to somebody else. It's interesting, Jamie, you bring up Mahomes because here's my take on Mahomes. He's unbelievable. The the plays that he can pull off, the you know, he can flick the wrist and throw it 40 yards downfield to a streaking Tyreek Hill or a Travis Kelsey. But my my thing with Mahomes that I'm starting to appreciate more and more with Josh Allen, Mahomes is a freak of nature. He's unbelievably talented. He also is in a phenomenal system that's built towards his strengths, which you give a lot of credit to Andy Reid for developing this system. But I'm convinced If you put Josh Allen in the Kansas City Chiefs system, I think he'd be just as good as Patrick Mahomes. I honestly do, because what he does, his strengths are very similar to Mahomes. Now, he he throws the ball up for grabs a little bit more than Mahomes does, but I think he's just as dangerous of a rusher. He keeps plays alive just as well as Mahomes does. And the, the playmakers in Buffalo are really closing the gap with the Chiefs. Now, Travis Kelsey, no one's going to touch him as far as comparable tight ends on the Bills, but I would argue I would much rather have Buffalo's receiving core than I would Kansas City's. I mean, Tyreek Hill is phenomenal. He had that game against the Bucs where he had 200 receiving yards in the first quarter, and that's just unheard of. Like, you don't you do not do that in, in this 2020 day of the NFL. But... Buffalo's playmakers and, and Clyde Edwards Elaire is, is going to be special. I mean, he's better, I think, than Moss and Singletary combined. But that being said, Buffalo's weapons are not that far behind Kansas City. So I almost feel like what Josh has done for this Bills team is more impressive than what Mahomes has done because the games that Buffalo 
one early in the season, they needed Josh every single one of those games. The Rams game, they needed Josh. The Dolphins game, the first time around, they needed Josh to step up and rally the troops. So I almost feel like Josh deserved more bonus points for what he has done than Mahomes because we all knew Mahomes had this in him and has been this type of player. Josh has taken a quantum leap forward, and that's got to be factored in. You make some excellent points there. And I've said this before when everybody says, well, the Bills could have had Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the NFL. Well, he wouldn't be who he is now if he didn't go to a team that was run by Andy Reid, who is the quarterback whisperer. He has polished more turds than any coach in the NFL currently. I mean, <laughs> he got a Pro Bowl season out of Alex Smith. Um, you know, he's he turned Donovan McNabb into a basically a Hall of Famer. And look at what happened with McNabb after he left Philadelphia. He was awful. Anyway, um, yeah, Josh Allen would be Josh Allen would be better than he is. Had he gone to Kansas City, I'm I'm convinced of that because that's what Andy Reid does for quarterbacks. So the case that you have made, I'm going to take another take it in another direction. And I know I'm not answering your question directly, but I think that Josh Allen now has the confidence and swagger of an MVP. He looks like Aaron Rodgers out on the field because you look at Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing about his body language, his confidence, anything that says, oh, he can't, I I can't make that pass. We're out of this. No, Aaron Rodgers believes in himself. The entire team believes in him and he gets the job done. And that's what we're seeing from Josh Allen. I think the MVP goes to uh, goes to Aaron Rodgers because I just think he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL this year, and that's who gets that's who gets the MVP. Josh Allen, I imagine he's going to be a top three finisher, though. Yeah, I think right now, in, in in no particular order, and 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 for the record, neither Jamie nor myself are lucky enough to have a vote in the MVP race, <laughs> but I think it's gotta be Mahomes, Rogers and Allen and, and, and the play will shake out over the final couple of weeks. But I don't know. I just, I, I think Josh has really, I love him silencing the haters week in and week out. And I also love the fact that this team like they're okay. Look, there was so much jubilation yesterday, Saturday, watching the bills wrap up this AFC East championship. But I think it speaks volumes to the culture you know, remember when Brandon Bean was hired and Sean McDermott was hired, they said their goal was to transform this organization, not into a team that sneaks into the playoffs every couple of years, but that is built for the long haul and that can contend for championships year in and year out. When you see these Bills players on the sidelines rocking the one W-O-N, not done shirts, these guys know that there's unfinished business. The loss of the Texans game last year from the playoffs still stings almost all of these guys to a man. So watching what they did yesterday, 
This is just another march in the coronation that the Bills want to have to be the top team in the AFC. And I tell you, Jamie, I, I honestly like the Bills are better than the Steelers. The Bills are better than the Titans. I think uh, even though the Titans whooped them up in that weird fluky game in October, I think it's the Chiefs and the Bills 1A and 1B right now in the AFC. And with the way that Buffalo's defense is playing, that is the game changer. Because before the Bills were doing this, knowing that Josh had to score 35 points to win games, you are seeing this defense look rejuvenated and resurgent compared to what it was earlier in the season. It is getting me all kinds of excited seeing Matt Milano come back and making his impact on the defense. I tell you, as much as we're talking about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, man, Matt Milano was an MVP type player on the defense yesterday because what he was doing with less than 50% of the snaps being on the field and he split time with AJ Klein. He clearly was Buffalo's best defensive player. I thought yesterday, you know, he is an absolute game changer out there. And if you had any doubt as to how valuable he is to this team, look at the difference between when he's been on the field and when he hasn't, the Bills have a very serious decision to make about his free agency after this season. And frankly, I think he's more valuable to the team than Tremaine Edmonds. And they're going to have to find a way to keep him on the field because he can do a little bit of everything. And OK, maybe he's not great at the point of attack taking on offensive linemen, but that's not his game. His game is speed and moving. And this guy Man, as he ends up rounding into better game shape and is on the field for 100% of the snaps as he typically is, you're going to see this defense continue to improve. And that's the other thing. The defense is relatively healthy at this point in the year. And what you want as you gear up for the playoffs is to be peaking. And the Buffalo Bills defense is peaking right now, which is taking all kinds of pressure off the offense, which is making the offense better. This team is reminding me of the Tennessee Titans last year who made a deep run into the playoffs by peaking at the right time. And if you look around the AFC, nobody's playing better football except for maybe the Chiefs who... I I can't say they're peaking because they've been fantastic all season and have only lost one game. But we're we're looking at one hell of a clash should those two teams come together in the AFC championship game or semis or however that shakes out. But at the same time, if we're handicapping the field, you know, this is not Four years ago, when the Bills backed into the playoffs and ended up playing the Jaguars, whoever won that game was definitely going to lose the following game because they were two terrible teams that managed to make the playoffs. Well, okay, not terrible. They were mediocre and made the playoffs. That is not the case this year. You've got wildcard teams with basically the same record as the Bills, the Cleveland Browns, the uh, the Colts. These are really good teams. And oh, by the way, nobody wants to play the Ravens right now because they're playing great football. You know, playoff football can be strange. It's it's the nature of the single elimination format. Anything can happen. And the, the AFC is top heavy this year. 
and the Bills are going to have a fight on their hands when they when they get into said playoffs, which is now a given because they're division champs. But man, they better be ready. Yeah, there is no doubt the Bills can't afford a slow start in whatever playoff game an opponent they're going to have. And unfortunately, it looks like, you know, the the with the field getting expanded to seven teams this year, there's only one team that gets a bye. It's going to take a miracle for the Chiefs to fall from that perch of being the number one seed. So Buffalo at best is going to get that number two seed, which I think is still within their grasp. And honestly, Jamie, count me amongst the people that I want Sean McDermott and the Bills to play their starters, not every single minute, but there was some chatter about, oh, if the Bills wrap up the division, can they rest their starters? Look, I don't want Josh seeing every single snap. I don't want Josh seeing every single snap under center uh, against the Jets, against the Patriots and the Dolphins in week 16 and week 17. But I want this team to maintain their precision on offense because right now it's surgical the way Josh is dissecting defenses. It's been so much fun to watch. And you always hear about that struggle of do you rest or do you keep going for the continuity that last couple of weeks of the season? I think this year more than ever with how competitive the AFC is, Buffalo needs to stay in its peak position of getting ready to go out there and deliver these precise offensive performances, which is exactly what we've seen from Josh Allen and the offense the last couple of weeks. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I loved the development of the ground game. We talked about it briefly earlier with regards to, you know, Devin Singletary had that 51 yard touchdown run before that he had been pedestrian seven carries for 17 yards. Zach Moss to me is the guy who is really making a play to be the the bell cow in this backfield, 13 carries for 81 yards. Uh, He was instrumental in salting away the Steelers in week 14 with that seven minute and 11 second drive. And the same is true uh, with the win on Saturday when the Bills really were just running the ball to put the clock away and bury the Broncos. Moss was the back that the Bills trusted. And it was great to see this patchwork offensive line. You know, Ike Bakker did not have a great game. Daryl Williams, Ike Bakker, I tell you, I give him a lot of credit for the last couple of weeks. He was playing at a great level for what we thought he could perform at. He took a major step back. He was one of the few, if not the only weak link 
on the offensive line yesterday. The offensive line, Jamie, I'm bouncing around here a lot because there's so many topics to get to, but I thought the offensive line did such a great job in containing the pass rushers of Denver and especially Deion Dawkins. Man, Bradley Chubb is a game changer. Uh, He's somebody who can really dominate and terrorize, and Deion Dawkins did a fantastic job. Chubb only had one quarterback hit and no sacks, which means of the 40 pass attempts that he was on the field for, he had an impact on one of those pass attempts. That was a phenomenal performance by Deion Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also, I'd like to say at this point, Mitch Morse has had a, a tough time over the past few weeks. He's finding himself pushed into the backfield an awful lot. And that may have a lot to do with Butker being next to him and other teams saying, you know what, these are the gaps that we're going to attack because this guy has a hard time anchoring uh, in pass blocking. Butker is decent in run blocking, but he's not a world beater. <laughs> Pills, they need to spend some draft picks on the offensive line in the offseason, but that's a topic for another time. Yes, yes. The offseason will have plenty of time to break down what the Bills need to do to shore up this team. But right now, one thing is for sure, Jamie, the Buffalo Bills are on the move, winning the AFC East 48 to 19 in a game that really it was 35 to 13 with nine minutes to go. And you never felt like it was going to be a, a close battle. Um, I thought there were so many great moments and great plays. We talked about, you know, Josh Allen. I do want to highlight that amazing dime that he threw to Diggs for a 55 yarder down the oh. sideline. How beautiful was that play call by Brian Dable and that execution from Allen to Diggs? Uh, apparently it's come out on Twitter. That was a call that Josh Allen made at the line of scrimmage. Ooh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He audibled to that play and then dropped a perfect pass. Let's also talk about that touchdown to Jake Kumaro, who has been, well, he was on the bills practice squad after being let go by green Bay. The rope that he threw on that ball, he's, he, he fit it in a tight window, and it was a freaking laser that he put in there. Uh, Josh Allen was fantastic yesterday. Another thing that I want to talk about, it was specifically when the Bills had Denver pinned back at the the five-yard line. This is in the second half. The defense came out so physical. You could hear them hitting the blockers and the offensive linemen, and they were making plays behind the line of scrimmage. It's almost like the defense had just, they suddenly grew fangs. They said, this game is ours. Let's finish it now. And they they maintained that attitude and that edge all the way through the rest of the second half. And I loved seeing that. I don't want my team to just win. I want them to beat up the opponent it seemed like that's what they wanted to do. And I was loving it. Yeah, the defense was incredibly physical out there. They were swarming all over the ball carriers and bringing down. I mean, Melvin Gordon had a couple of nice runs. Philip Lindsay didn't do jack uh, out of the backfield. Gordon always seems to do pretty well against Buffalo. He had a three touchdown game. I believe it was last year or two years ago. Uh, he terrorized Buffalo with a, a pretty solid performance. But, you know, yeah, Milano and Klein were swarming from the linebacker position. I want to give it up, though, for Leslie Frazier dialing up one of the most unexpected blitzes with Trey White. When Trey White came off the edge on a blitz, beat his guy, got after Drew Locke, poked the ball free, and then there's Jerry Hughes 
executing some awesome elusive maneuvers to get into the end zone. Buffalo's second straight game scoring a defensive touchdown. That was so cool to see. And the way that they were all kind of celebrating with Jerry afterwards, that made it 35 to 13 with the fumble six. You know, this defense is really rounding into form. Leslie Frazier deserves a lot of credit for weathering the storm early on when Buffalo was a little bit banged up and giving up a lot of, of plays and a lot of big yardage plays out there. They broke up, I think six pass attempts in the first half alone, getting, ba- getting pause on the ball, making drew lock feel uncomfortable. And this is coming after drew locks best game of his career. When he threw for four touchdowns against Carolina, that was not the drew lock. We saw Saturday. No. And I thought that drew lock was, he looks like he's going to be a good quarterback. I, I thought that he did some really good things out there. Now, granted they were checking the ball down and, awful lot and you know maybe that was part of the game plan maybe that was drew luck not being confident going downfield but he's got some talent and he's going to be around for a while now i do want to go back to you talking about that jerry hughes touchdown because that was kind of comical the way he was holding that ball out away from his body i was thinking to myself oh god man just go down this is going to end in disaster oh god he's cutting back He's, he's cutting back into the middle of the field. Oh, God. He's got players all around him. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, touchdown. And they're like, Jerry, take a knee, man. This isn't going to end well. Yeah, he was kind of, what was the phrase they used? He kind of had it like a loaf of bread. He was like extended in his arm, almost like, you know, try to swipe the ball away from him, presenting the ball to the uh, the Broncos to bat away and, and force it back in their possession. But he just had so much fun on that run. And I loved the persistence of the Bills defense being like, all right, Jerry, we see you making moves out there. You're ducking and dodging and weaving. You know what? We're going to block and get you into the end zone. And he's had enough. You, I guarantee you that's one of those like schoolyard plays when you're in elementary school and you're just like, oh, how long can I stay alive? How long can I be bouncing around? Oh, crud. There's a hole. Oh, my God. And he runs into the end zone and gets that touchdown. That was just so much fun the way that the Bills were celebrating with Jerry afterwards. You're right. His ball security, I mean, he's no, you know, he's no running back who's going to be toting the ball 30 times, but he took advantage of his moment. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a really cool scene for, uh, for Jerry Hughes and the defense out there. And again, it just goes to show how much fun this team is having. And I have an interesting stat for you. His senior year of high school, Jerry Hughes rushed for over 1,300 yards and had 19 touchdowns playing running back. So this wasn't that much of an uncharted water situation for Jerry then being a being a tailback out there having the ball and trying to find the end zone. Right. Yeah. I, you know what? <laughs> he's he's a big dude. He probably grew into the defensive end body, but the way he can move. Yeah, I'm not surprised that in high school. I mean, weren't most of these guys running backs or quarterbacks unless they were. I mean, even a lot of the offensive linemen played quarterback in high school. Yeah, it would seem like that's a pretty uh, pretty popular position to play, and then the coaches at the college level figure out, hey, you know, you're you're better suited for a linebacker or a defensive tackle, and and but that that helps out with Buffalo having those athletic players up and down the roster. And I want to talk a little bit more, Jamie, about this defense because you know Mario Addison came under a lot of flack. He had basically disappeared the last couple of games. Uh, he had a huge huge sack. Uh, yesterday in the win over the Denver Broncos as and that was on a big third down play that gave the Bills the ball back uh, up seven nothing early in the game Um, Ed Oliver had a nice penetration to bring down Drew Locke for a sack but the guy I want to focus on is Quinton Jefferson now Quinton Jefferson came over from Seattle 
and yeah, un- unexpected guy to target here. You wouldn't really think I'd go with with him, but I was really impressed with how he played in situational football. And what I mean by that is AJ Epinesa left the game in the fourth quarter uh, at the defensive end spot with an apparent injury. And Quinton Jefferson to me showed how versatile he can be as both a DT and a defensive end. He really excelled. I thought in his limited snaps at the defensive end spot yesterday, which me, Jamie signifies Buffalo and Leslie Frazier has another weapon. They can deploy Epinesa has been coming into his own. I think Ed Oliver still has a very solid ceiling in Buffalo. Mario Addison had a bit of a slump, but he maybe turned things around with the win over the Broncos. If Quinton Jefferson can be used as one of those slash type players at the defensive end or the defensive tackle position, that's going to give Buffalo so many more weapons to play with. And it makes Trent Murphy obsolete, which to me, I'm fine with him being a healthy scratch, you know, where we are in the season. But I thought it was really cool to see how Jefferson really played well. You know, he got after the quarterback. He held his own uh, when it came to to beating his uh, offensive lineman he was matched up with. And he can play against the run. So if Daryl Johnson continues to struggle against the run, you might see Quentin Jefferson step into the DE role more than Bills fans were expecting. I'm glad you mentioned Quentin Jefferson because he was brought to the Buffalo Bills to play that hybrid role Sort of like we saw Lorenzo Alexander play in in past years, but because of the Bills' lack of bodies at defensive tackle because of injury or because of people sitting out the season, he has been focused on defensive tackle. He was supposed to be playing defensive end, on, especially on rushing downs. So the fact that he's able to get there, that makes him far more valuable. Now, A.J. Epinesa, they said it was a potential head injury. They showed him on the sideline. It was really a strange fluke play. He was trying not to land on Drew Locke and ended up smashing his head on the ground. And he did not know where he was after that. So concussion protocol, I'm calling it here. That's that's where he is right now. Um, in the meantime, I think that there is something to be said for Jefferson playing on the outside, especially now that you have a a full complement of defensive tackles with Harrison Phillips in there and Vernon Butler playing really well. Um, And we've got, oh, what's his name? Zimmer uh, also putting in some good snaps here and there. I think that they can use him on the outside more often. And I, I think that that's going to be advantageous to them to be able to move Jefferson around. Um, going back to Mario Addison, you know, the the one thing that bothers me about him, and I hope he gets it right and he didn't yesterday, he's got to keep contain on the, the outside zone options. So, Mario, I know you're listening to the show. Don't crash to the inside. Stay with your assignment. Make them make a decision and run the ball inside. I like that. We know Mario is clearly listening and tuned in to believe like all of our passionate Bills fans here. Uh, and, and take note, because again, but what's what's nice about it, Jamie, is, you know, again, everyone's stepping up on defense. So the Bills have the power in numbers where they can plug and play the hot hand. And yeah, Justin Zimmer has you know been quiet the last couple of weeks, but the Bills wouldn't be in this position to win the divisional title if he hadn't have poked the ball free from Cam Newton in that first matchup with the Patriots. So everybody in the role, everybody has a, a job that they're playing for this team. And it's just so much fun 
to watch Buffalo steamroll their op- their opponents uh, to get to 11 and three on the year and wrap up that AFC East championship. Uh, the Bills, we did it. Pop the champagne, celebrate. The first streak is over with. The Bills have won the divisional title for the first time in 25 years. Up next, of course, uh, as far as the playoffs go, there's two more games in the regular season, but the Bills' next streak to tackle will be that same uh, time since they've won a playoff game. It's been 25 years since Buffalo beat the Miami Dolphins in the uh, playoffs. I believe that was a December 30th, 1998 uh, victory for Buffalo. So a lot of streaks crossing off there, and uh, hopefully Buffalo can keep building on this momentum because I tell you, Jamie, they are an up-and-coming team that is really proving the doubters wrong week in and week out, and it's a hell of a lot of fun to get to talk about these victories here on Believe. Do you remember? Now you're a Yankee fan, right? Oh, God, no. Get the hell out of here. Wait a minute. Who's your team? I am a Chicago Cubs fan, buddy. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm the Um, unicorn, the Cubs fan in upstate New York. And last year, the Buffalo Bills finding a way to lose the playoff game against the Texans reminded me an awful lot of 1995 when Seattle, the Seattle Mariners came from behind to beat the New York Yankees in the playoffs. And what that did is it taught the Yankees how to win, and then they became a dynasty. They were a young team that needed to learn that. Maybe that's what we saw with the Buffalo Bills. Maybe maybe the Bills have been now launched into success going forward, and this is just one of the steps in them getting there. That's a really interesting parallel with the Yankees, and of course, Bills fans would love it if the Bills could go on and you know, claim one Super Bowl, much less, you know, three in a row or whatever those Yankees teams did of the late 90s. But I think you bring up a good point because I'm reading an article here on The Athletic where Jordan Poyer basically talks about that exact same thing. He talks about how this culture that Coach McDermott has been building for them, the expectations, understanding the expectations that Coach has for the team. He says, it's been building, man. We made it to the playoffs in 17, ended up losing. We learned from that. Was it very good in 18? Same thing in 19, but then we're one play away from winning a playoff game. Those experiences we went through, the hardships we've gone through, it's all led to this moment for us to be able to handle winning the AFC East. And I love to hear that, again, the Bills are focused on the one W-O-N, not done motto. They're going to have their sights set on much loftier goals than just winning the divisional title. But again, you can't get those other places you want to go without first winning that divisional title. Beautifully put, man. Well, you know, I think that'll properly do us here, Jamie, on Believe the Time Has Flown By. It's been a lot of fun, as always, breaking down this thorough victory for Buffalo 48-19. to uh, We hope you've enjoyed our podcast thoughts here. Make sure to get involved with our podcast by getting involved on social media. You can tweet at Jamie. He is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie, I am signing off here on Believe. We'll be back next week getting you ready for the Monday Night Clash versus the New England Patriots on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 